Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Man, I was like looking at setting up the show today because JC's not with me at the moment, but I was setting up the show and I put in my little started the 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 intro and nobody was in the room yet sometimes there's a couple of people in the room already and i typed in my liberty loving patriots and just sort of looked for a while there was nobody there and then i looked at the set up the d live to get you guys set up there and all of a sudden i looked up and there was over 200 of you there it's like woohoo welcome everybody so glad to have everybody with us today we have Texas in the house, Wisconsin in the house, Florida, uh, West Virginia. Look at all these people. <laughs> oh, you guys are so funny. Uh, Kansas. There's Kansas. I can see that. Uh, and yeah, uh, Fatima Brown, we're going to be talking about HR 350 today. The it's It's actually titled, the short title is... Uh, Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act of 2021. It's going to be pretty eye-opening, guys. I hope that that's something that we can can look at and probably not something we're really entirely surprised to see. But uh, that's what one of the things we're going to be talking about today. Look at this. Uh, Polk County, Florida, Michigan, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Uh, look at all these people. California. There we are. Texas. Hey, Texas, we are going to be in Texas here very shortly. Let me share this with you. Now, this is a share for everybody, by the way, not just for Texas people. We are going to be March 12th through 14th, going to be uh, doing our fourth annual uh, In Defense of Liberty training. This is an amazing class. We have Constitution training. And we have hand-to-hand self-defense, handgun accuracy and precision, and real-world shooter defense. Our instructor is the one and only, the magnificent, uh, the amazing Larry Stevenson, also known as the bearded black cowboy. And we generally have people who fly into Dallas from all over the country, and it is training that should would cost you anywhere else at least a thousand dollars a person we do not charge we charge you know like half that per person three days of training guys three days of training and you will know you trained afterwards <laughs> we don't just shoot at targets we roll around on the floor we shoot from vehicles this is real live shooter training and so we want to make sure that you know how to get there, how do you sign up, and you have to sign up soon. We only have, we have half of the slots left now, and uh, we only do uh, 13 slots because we we want to make sure we have only one line on the shooting range and that we have plenty of time and individual instruction. So this is a limited slot class. If you are not signed up, you need to get signed up now. Uh, make sure that you don't miss that. Go to chrisannhall.com. Click on the In Defense of Liberty banner. So there's chrisannhall.com. There's the In Defense of Liberty banner. Click on there, and that will take you to the In Defense of Liberty sign-up stuff. And there you go. Even if you don't want to come to the gun training, uh, we have Constitution class with um, meet and greet and snacks. Uh, food available on the first night, $35 a person. Uh, if you have groups, contact us. We can give you a group rate better than $35 a person. So there are lots of ways that you can join up with us in Texas. Go to chrisannhall.com and learn how to do that. Thank you, Dragon's Talon, for jumping right in there with your super chat today to my favorite domestic terrorists because you know they're going to try to label. You know what? Dragon Stalin, they already label me as a domestic terrorist. I think that you guys probably already know that. Let me just go ahead and um, pull that up for you because it's relevant <clears throat> to the uh, lesson that we have today. Remember, we are a 
teach show, not a talk show. And let's see, individual profiles, maps. Let's see, we can find on here. I, I know you guys are not seeing what I'm seeing, but we're going to find it. There we go. Huh. All right. This is, this is the active. Let me show you this. So I'll back out of there. Share screen. Chrome Southern Poverty Law Center. Just so you guys are aware, Chris Ann Hall is already identified ideologically as an anti-government extremist group. So if you go there, you can find out that I am part of the anti-government movement. There's a whole map, by the way. I have been identified in the anti-government extremist uh, group for quite some time. There we go. Anti-government groups. Let's see if we can find this here. Uh, find uh, Chris. Oops, sorry. I'll show you. All right. Chris Ann Hall. Influential Patriot Movement activist, Chris Ann Hall, a self-described constitutional attorney. I wonder if my constitutional law professor is a self-described constitutional law professor. Uh, I, because, you know, you guys, I've actually practiced constitutional law. So I'm not how it could be self-described. It's just their way of of trying to tell you that, you know, they don't believe that I'm actually what they're doing. You know, the Southern Poverty Law Center actually uh, started as a civil rights law firm practicing in the realm of constitutional law. So I wonder if they consider themselves a so-called constitutional law firm. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, yeah. I uh, am a white supremacist because I spoke at a group where they maybe had white supremacists there. Uh, there we go. Here we go. Oh, look at this. Chris Ann Hall. I am on the anti-government extremist hate group list. There I am right there. Right underneath the John Birch Society. And I don't even know what the National Assembly is. But there you go. Um, I am on the list twice now. Uh, Chris Ann Hall and Liberty First University, where I teach the Constitution, guys. Just so uh, Dragon's Talon was talking about how I would be a domestic terrorist because I teach the U.S. Constitution. There you have the proof that the Southern Poverty Law Center, who, by the way, creates the definitions for the federal government and definitely under this administration. They are going to define me as an anti-government extremist hate group right there. Liberty First University teaches nothing but Constitution and accurate American history. And so there you have it. I am uh, just to confirm what you already thought to be true. I have actually been on this list for six or seven years now. And being on that list, uh, first four years, I was on it all by my, you know, just as Chris Ann Hall. Now, by the Southern Poverty Law Center's own policy, they are not supposed to identify individuals. Okay, look at this. You can look at this this list, uh, and you can you can we can scroll through it. I am part of the anti-government extremist list. There is no other person's name on here. I want you guys to catch this. There are no individuals listed until you get to me. And for five years, I was only on there as an individual, which is a violation of their own, a violation of their own policy. They are not to... Uh, what, I don't remember what their policy exactly said, but it said that we won't uh, we won't pick on people, basically. And so for four years against their policy, I was on the list only as Chris Ann Hall Welburn. The last two years, they added Liberty First University, aha, so that they could you know maintain their policy of not picking on individuals and. And actually, last year, it wasn't even Liberty First University. It was just Liberty First. 
which is not a group, you guys. They actually just made up a group to put me on the list twice so they didn't have to violate their policy. So I don't know about you, but I actually consider the fact that the Southern Poverty Law Center considers the Constitution training that you get at Liberty First University as something they would not endorse as one of the greatest endorsements that I could have. So the Southern Poverty Law Center says that Liberty First University is an anti-government group where you learn. Are you ready? LibertyFirstUniversity.com is an anti-government group, according to the Southern Poverty Law Center, where you will learn about the formation of government, about the proper structure of government, about the proper activity and limits of that activity. And I'll just go ahead, since we're talking about it, show you how to be a part of Liberty First University, libertyfirstuniversity.com, where you will learn about the Constitution, about American history. We even have classes on how the Constitution ended slavery. And I would uh, like to remind you that Liberty First University is not a brick and mortar school. Liberty First University is an online constitutional training program. So you don't have to be near me to go to libertyfirstuniversity.com. You have to just simply log into libertyfirstuniversity.com and enroll in our classes. And there you have it. You can, too, be a part of a group that learns about limited government. How amazing is it that you are an anti-government extremist if you believe that the federal government has a limited and defined role and should never exceed that limited and defined role. Little bit of interesting information there. I think, like I said, the Southern Law Poverty Law Center, by not liking me and not endorsing my constitutional training, is the best training endorsement I can get. So I don't know. Let's see if, uh, let's see. Oh, look at that. Hillsdale is not on their list. So the Southern Poverty Law Center doesn't hate Hillsdale. Let's see if they also hate uh, heritage. Uh, heritage. Nope. They do not hate heritage either. So I am the only constitutional training platform in America that the Southern Poverty Law Center does not endorse. Woohoo! <laughs> so that should give you a little indication about where I am in teaching the Constitution. I am not a progressive teacher. I am not a federal supremacist teacher. I am not a judicial supremacist teacher. And I am the only Constitution training in America that gets the anti SPLC endorsement. Ah, there you go. Uh, no SPLC will never endorse. It will never police their own Kelly because Kelly, they, you know, they think that they're doing it right, but they are. Yes. Michael Summers. Southern Poverty Law Center is a legit hate group, but they are calling me an anti-government extremist hate group. Interesting. Just an interesting share with you today. I wanted to show you something that's come through on Breitbart um, and, and just sort of try to bring everybody, you know, off the ledge on this one. So ICE agents ordered to free all illegal aliens in custody, release them all, which Breitbart reports includes 71.4% uh, who are convicted criminals. Well, let me, let me just explain to you and explain to you how this actually uh, is not something new. Uh, by the way, April Webster, I already did an episode on that. In the, so April's asking a question in the chat room. I already did that episode on Friday last week. So April, go to our 
our uh, archives and check out last Friday's show. Yeah, Faithful Joy, check out last Friday's show. So here we go. Um, just so you see, Breitbart says that 71.4% of whom are convicted criminals or have pending criminal charges will be in that mass release of 14,195 uh, detainees. Now, I want you to be clear that this is nothing new. Now, many of you know that I was a prosecutor for about a decade here in the state of Florida. Those of you who are new don't know that, so that's why I'm telling you today. I was a prosecutor in the state of Florida for nearly a decade. In that, I had a many opportunities, I wouldn't say opportunities, I had many instances where I had to prosecute people who were uh, violating the uniform rules of naturalization. And as I was a prosecutor when George Bush became president of the United States, I had a relationship with the uh, Immigration Customs Enforcement. And what I would do is if I had a criminal complaint or if a person was arrested who had was not complying with the uniform rule of naturalization i would fax over to immigration and customs their arrest affidavit then federal rules federal law allowed the immigration department to put a 24 to 48 hour hold on that arrest so that they could not be released. They would be detained, at which point immigration would determine whether those people needed to be deported or not, or whether federal charges or they were wanted in some other state for some other reason. And so I had a really good working relationship with one of the agents from Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, he went by the nickname Hollywood. And it was, it was a pretty simple thing. It was a pretty smooth procedure. You get an arrest affidavit, then you just fax it over, then they fax over the detention hold, and then after 24 hours, they would either come and get them or they would uh, be released for prosecution. Now, that didn't necessarily mean they were going to be released from jail, but they would be released from from Homeland, from, the, from immigration for prosecution. Maybe they are actually here uh, pursuant to the rules, but you know, whatever. In the midst of George Bush creating his new administration, it was changed from, uh, from immigration to ICE. So ICE now is the new moniker and it's a whole new agency. And it happened almost overnight. At least that's what it felt like as a prosecutor. And so here I am, I have a, a person who appears to have violated the uniform rule of naturalization and I fax the arrest affidavit over to Hollywood and I get a phone call. Hollywood says, um, I'm not the person you're contacting anymore. I said, what do you mean? I'm not the per you're not the person who, who, do, who I contact. He said, well, now we're ICE. We're, we're not the Department of Immigration anymore. We are ICE, and we don't do this. He said he was, he was not very happy about it. He says, basically, I'm a glorified bag checker, and uh, you have to go through Tallahassee, Florida. Here's your contact. I was like, all right, well, sorry we won't be talking to each other anymore. I, you know, enjoyed our conversations. Maybe we'll bump into each other some other time. And so then I got a hold of the person in Tallahassee, Florida, sent the paperwork over, nothing, nothing. So I picked up the phone and I called. And I actually had to call three or four times before I could get somebody to answer the phone. Meanwhile, I'm faxing this stuff over and nobody is responding to me. Uh, I don't know, in North Florida, it was not an infrequent thing to have someone who was committing a crime who has also violated the uniform rule of naturalization. I finally get a phone call from Tallahassee like three weeks later. The guy says, 
stop faxing us these affidavits. I said, what do you mean stop faxing you these affidavits? That's my job to fax you these affidavits. He says, we don't have the manpower to deal with your illegal, giving your finger quotes there, uh, your illegal immigration problem in your county. Now, I worked for a, I worked, I prosecuted in a very small rural county in North Florida. 14,000 people, the total population, 14,000. And here I have Tallahassee, Florida, the federal government telling me we don't have the manpower to deal with your illegal, quote, immigration problem in your little county with the 14,000 people that are living there. And that was it. In the midst of George Bush, there was no more prosecuting these people. There was no more detentions. There was no there was not even an investigation anymore to find out if they were here actually in compliance with our rules of uniform naturalization. And by the way, once they were arrested and they were bailed out, I never saw them again. So prosecuting them became absolutely impossible. And so just as you're thinking that, uh, you know, this is something new with, with uh, Biden, uh, this is not something that's new with Biden. This is the exact same thing that George W. Bush did. And I just tell you that because we lived through that as well. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but George W. Bush also used our tax dollars to advertise food stamps in Mexico. So uh, caravan or not, George W. Bush did the same thing that Biden is doing. And we lived through that, just so you know. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to let you know it's not the end of the world. This is not the worst government that we've ever had just yet. Uh, I think they have the potential of being there. But let me remind you that uh, we actually had a president of the United States that was not Donald Trump, by the way, uh, who put a black man, a federal employee who was a black man in a cage in his office so he could segregate them. That was Woodrow Wilson, by the way. Woodrow Wilson put a black man in a cage in a federal office in Washington, D.C., so he could segregate that man from the white workers. So uh, we now have a, a different kind of situation with this administration, but that's, you know, that's, it's not the end of the world. We have lived through much worse uh, so far. And I don't want anybody to jump off the ledge. Uh, I think that we have plenty of information, plenty of organization, plenty of education available to everybody out there so that we can be prepared for what is to come and we can be united and powerful to not have to comply with some of this crazy, 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 crazy stuff, right? So uh, forced vaccinations and forced gun confiscation is only possible if you comply. And if you organize, educate, organize, and activate your community, it won't be just you standing in defense of your own stuff. Um, it will have to be uh, the whole community standing together. By the way, that's what a constitutional republic is all about. You don't have to stand alone on your porch against the king. It's your county commission that stands with you. It's your sheriff that stands with you. It's your uh, neighbors that stand with you. It's your legislators, your governor, it's everybody. So there you have it. I don't, this is, remember, this is the no excuse zone. So we're not having any excuses. Um, I don't know if I should wait for JC to come back tomorrow to talk about this. Maybe we'll talk about it again if JC wants to talk about it. But 
I just, you know, I'm not a big fan of where our government schools have come, where they're, where they're, te what they're teaching and what they're doing. But what we have now is this Florida school district's pro-BLM pro cartoon, according to Fox News, draws the ire of parents. A pro-Black Lives Matter cartoon, right there, you can see the, I, I'm not going to play it, but there it is, uh, made available to students at a Florida school district. Why wouldn't they tell you what district? It's Sarasota County, guys. I wonder if I click that. What happens if I click that? Oh, no, it just gives me a link to more Florida stories. Hey, why give me a hyperlink to more of your stories that have absolutely nothing to do with this topic? I'm just saying. It's just crazy. So a pro Black Lives Matter cartoon made available to students at a Florida at the Sarasota, Florida school district. Outraged some parents who claimed the district was trying to indoctrinate students with a left-wing agenda. <laughs> Do you have to know that that sort of made me laugh? That they that this video is how the school district is indoctrinating our children with a left-wing agenda. <laughs> How many of you, by show of hands in there in the in the in the chat room, <clears throat> saw the class, uh, the teach show we did on Friday, where I talked about the history of education and how all that works? Give me your hands up there. Uh, they have our public school system has been indoctrinating our students with the left wing agenda since 1885, guys. I mean, I'm glad that parents are starting to, you know, just sort of pop open the eyes and, and peel the scales away from their eyes, uh, maybe this will mean that more and more parents will stop sending their schools to their children to these indoctrination centers, or maybe parents will get involved at the school board level and stop and start controlling what their children are actually taught. See, I, I don't I don't have a problem with community run schools. I really don't. Communities ought to be able to get together and create educational programs where parents and teachers work together to educate their children. There's nothing wrong with this. But this is not what our education system has become. Our education system has become, remember, educational psychological laboratories. We're talking about experimental psychology is the driving force for our American education system and has created, not turned our schools into laboratories, but created them from day one to be laboratories. From day one. So uh, it's time for us to take back our schools. Now, does that mean <clears throat> uh, that maybe you, you, you take them out of the schools, you put them in a private school, you homeschool them. You know, by the way, um, that's one of the reasons we have libertyfirstuniversity.com. We have tons of middle school, high school students who use libertyfirstuniversity.com as their uh, as as a supplement to their at homeschool education. Some of them even use it as a supplement to their 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 government school education. And that way you have uh, something and the kids love it. It's not boring. It's a, it, They love this teaching at libertyfirstuniversity.com. And that's our contribution to the homeschool uh, life, to everything that we're doing to, to create a counterculture to this left-wing agenda, agenda. And so just because this school district which ought to be upsetting to people. 
this Black Lives Matter, when you know what Black Lives Matter is all about, remember their manifesto is called Burn Down the American Plantation and actually advocates insurrection. You want to talk about inciting insurrection, the manifesto for BLM is burning down the American plantation that actually teaches insurrection, advocates overthrowing the government. Now, will they be on the domestic terrorist list? Probably not, especially when you see H.R. 350 and see what it really is all about. Now, before we get to H.R. 350, I want to share one more thing with you just to show you just how big your government is going to grow underneath this new administration. Executive Order 13992, signed January 20th, 2021. This is the Federal Register, the Daily Journal of the United States government. This is actual .gov stuff. And so he, you have President Biden, the day he's inaugurated, signs Executive Order 13992. Let me just ask you guys a question. Do you think Joe Biden had all had wrote any of these things? Do you think they said, oh, well, now Joe Biden's president, we need to get to do, get to work on these executive orders? There is no way. There is absolutely no way that that all the executive orders that he signed were not written up months ago waiting for him to be inaugurated. So here you have executive orders, revocation of executive uh, revocation of orders. So executive order 13771 as of January 30th, 2017 is revoked, reducing regulations and controlling regulatory costs. So this particular executive order 13992 revokes executive order 13771 that was written to reduce regulation and controlling regulatory costs. So why would this administration want to revoke an executive order that tells the executive agencies to reduce their regulatory costs, to reduce their regulatory control over the people? Well, the answer has to be because they want to increase regulatory control and regulatory cost, which equates to big big government 13777 is also revoked which is enforcing regulatory reform agenda 13875 is revoked evaluating and improving the utility of federal advisory committees we don't want our federal advisory committees to be improved uh, we don't want them to be evaluated probably executive order 13891 Promoting the rule of law through improved agency guidance documents. We're going to revoke that under the Biden administration. We want our executive agencies to not be limited by the rule of law, to not follow the rule of law. So we are going to revoke an executive agency, an executive order that binds them to the rule of law. Here's another one. Executive Order 13892, promoting the rule of law through transparency and fairness in civil administration, enforcement, and adjudication, revoked by the Biden administration. And there you have it. No more transparency in our executive agencies. No more fairness in our executive agencies. One more. Executive Order 13893, <clears throat> revoked, increasing accountability for administrative actions by reinvigorating administrative pay-go. What does that mean? That means the federal government agencies don't have to fund themselves anymore. 
they can actually work out they can they can outlive their own uh their own financing and there you have it one two three four five six executive orders rescinded by the swipe of a pen by barack by barack obama wow isn't that a a a uh, freudian there by joe biden all set uh, six executive orders were about limited government less regulation and transparency and accountability six executive orders about limited government reducing regulatory strain transparency and accountability wiped out by the biden administration so there you go all done no more so hr 350 see i went ahead <clears throat> you see this i printed out the bill so that i could talk to you about it in more detail and give you better teaching there and and yeah truth seeker they're gonna have to raise the taxes because guess what they're gonna have to pay for all of this regulation and this one actually creates new agencies we are gonna have to pay for woohoo all right so i want to just simply say tulsi gabbard is the one that brought this to my attention i should say uh tulsi gabbard through the national review and i'll go ahead and put that up there for you tulsi gabbard through the national review talks about the domestic terrorism bill is a targeting of almost half the country. Now, when this came across my little search feed, because I have these little programs that send me stuff that have to do with, you know, rights and uh, government actions and sort of watchdogging, right? I don't have a single watchdog agency. I have lots of wonderful people who watch things for me uh, and send me stuff. But this came through one of my my own little designed uh, watchdog things. You can get these little apps that watch the news for you, right? And it really, really got my interest uh, when she said that this was a threat on our civil liberties. She said she expressed concern that a proposed measure to combat domestic terrorism could be used to undermine civil liberties. And uh, she was on the Fox News primetime with Brian Kilmeade. I didn't see that, but I did see the article here on the National Review. And so I thought I need to read this bill. And so I, I went searching for it. And let me show you what we've got here. We have, um, this bill introduced in the house by Congressman Brad Schneider from Illinois and Brad Schneider has all of his buddies chiming in on the domestic terrorism prevention act, the DTPA of 2021 introduced into the house just a few days ago. Look at all these, these people here. Brad Schneider, Jerry Nadler, uh, Fitzpatrick, Robin Kelly, Don Bacon, uh, Gons Vincente Gonzalez in Texas, Fred Upton, Lou Carrera, Senator Dick Durbin. Oh, my goodness. Is Dick Durbin really still alive? What keeps these people alive so long in Washington, D.C.? I mean, seriously, how is it that they, I, I, I don't know, they must have something in the water up there that keeps these people animated beyond natural life expectancy. I, I, I don't get it. Anyway, so uh, you have them all announcing the introduction of the Domestic Terrorism Act, H.R. 350. There's a Senate companion bill led by Senator Dick Durbin. And I wanted to show you, this is what, uh, this bill, by the way, is officially subtitled uh, under Section 1, the short title, 
this act may be cited as the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act of 2021. Look, I even made notes and stuff. I, I love, I, I'm an old school girl. I, 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 you know, you can be digital all you want, but for me, nothing takes the place of having paper in my hand and being able to write all over it and make my little funny face remarks and notes and that. So I am always going to be a paper in hand person, right? So uh, HR 350, I'll go ahead and write that in there so you guys can have it. HR 350, because if you uh, pull it up and I'm gonna go ahead and share it with you now. If you pull it up, the num it's so new, the number is not on it yet. So there it is, HR 350. And it's subtitled Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act of 2021. Now, there's a better way. If you read this bill, do you know that it's would it's more appropriately it should more appropriately be titled being white makes you a domestic terrorist seriously i i not trying to make somebody mad not trying to live up to my southern poverty law center um uh you know accusations cuz they say i'm a white supremacist you know maybe i'll and I'll show you a picture of my family uh but i'm not quite sure how you can you know credibly call me a white supremacist. I think it's just because I teach the Constitution and I teach what our founders believed and how our founders taught. And so that, you know, because they teach that they're white supremacists, I must be too. So seriously, the title of this should be Being White Makes You a Domestic Terrorist. As you go through this, you might wonder uh, what exactly is domestic terrorism? Well, if you go to this bill, it says the term domestic terrorism has been given meaning, uh, has the meaning given the term in Section 231, 2331 of Title 18. Well, let me share that with you really quickly because I actually have that for you. Um, where did it go? There it is. So here is uh, the 2331 of Title 18. Domestic terrorism means activities that involve acts of danger to human life that are a violation of criminal laws of the United States or of any state appear to be intended to intimidate or coerce, excuse me, civilian population, influence the policy of a government by intimidation or coercion, and to affect the conduct of a government by mass destruction, assassination, or kidnapping. Now, wouldn't that include all of the Antifa, BLM, violent, riots that have happened in America over the last year? I mean, I'm just, I'm just asking you, because this is what they say the term domestic terrorism means. But when you go in and actually read the bill, and by the way, it's not a really long one. It's, it's only 17 pages. So it's not like the bills of you know, healthcare or anything like that. You can actually read it. Uh, what you have is a list of domestic terrorist activities in which they all include exclusively white supremacy. That's it. White supremacy. So it's interesting here. I wanted to show you this part. It says the term domestic terrorism has been given the meaning uh, given the given ha, the term domestic terrorism has the meaning given the term in Section 2331 of Title 18 United States Code, except that it does not include acts perpetrated by individuals associated with or inspired by. And then you come down here to Executive Order 13. 
1322-4 is the executive order that was created by George W. Bush for uh, in 2001 in relation to the towers falling and the identification of quote-unquote al-Qaeda as the enemy. And in that executive order, it makes people who are U.S. citizens who help finance, I got my little notes here, who help finance foreign terrorist groups as domestic terrorists. I, I just want to be clear. I'm going to say that again so nobody misses it. This particular executive order, 13.224, identifies, defines a domestic terrorist as a U.S. citizen who helps or finances domestic terrorist groups. And this particular bill says if you find if you are a U.S. citizen and you finance a, a, a terrorist group, you are not a domestic terrorist. Anybody wonder why they would want to specifically exclude people who finance terrorist groups from being identified as terrorist groups? Just, you know. One of those little rhetorical questions so that you can have something to think about. So uh, HR 50 is now going to create a new organization. The offices to monitor, analyze, investigate and prosecute domestic terrorism. There's going to be a domestic terrorism unit in the Department of Homeland Security. There's going to be a domestic terrorism office in the Department of Justice. There's going to be a domestic terrorism section of the FBI. And all of these people are going to undergo anti-annual anti-bias training. And when you when we read more about this, you're going to understand what the actual anti-bias training is all about. And what's interesting, I'll put a little laughing face next to the anti-bias training. This group is not, if this bill passes, this group will be authorized to continue for the next 10 years. Now, these organizations are going to meet no later than 180 days after the enactment of the act and each six months thereafter for 10 years to identify and create a joint report to identify domestic terrorism. Now, let me show you the contents. We'll go ahead and share this up there so you can see it. You can think Chrisanne's not making this stuff up. Where am I? Page five. The contents. Am I on page five? Yeah. Oh, that's four. Okay, there we go. Page five. The contents, each port report submitted under paragraph one shall include an assessment of the domestic terrorist threat posed, wait for it, white supremacists and neo-Nazis, including white supremacist neo-Nazi infiltration of the federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies in the uniformed services. Scrolling down. It will also include any white supremacist related incidents or attempted incidents. And it will include a quantitative analysis of this domestic terrorism for the preceding months that has to do with white supremacism. We're now on page seven. White supremacism. Uh, let's see. White supremacism again, domestic terror terrorism related investigations, domestic terror terrorism, white supremacy. Uh, here we go, page eight, white supremacy, once again, and then we need to look at the domestic terrorism under white supremacists, and then again, we are have to be worried about the white supremacists. By the way, I will remind you, the, high, the Southern Poverty Law Center says that anybody who teaches what our founders teach are white supremacists. All right, so here we are, page nine. Uh, those related to white supremacism, uh, 
here we go. Related to white supremacism and a detailed explanation. Seriously, it's there is no other thing. Now, here we go. Uh, this is page 10. Hate crimes. What kind of hate crimes? Well, the white supremacist ones. Why is the Bureau, why, why is BLM and Antifa, when they burn down our, our, our auto zones and, and our donut shops and steal televisions, why is that not a hate crime? Let me give you a little tutorial on exactly what the hate crime is. It does not exist. You have all of these rules, all of this thing, this whole thing is all about hate crimes, hate crime, hate crimes. Let's just go all the way to the end and I'll give you your hate crime lesson, right? Just look through all of this. White supremacists were on page 10. There is no identification of any other domestic terrorism in this entire bill except white supremacism. Now let's go to the bottom of eight of page 11. Focusing on the greatest threats. And the greatest threats are white supremacism. Now, here's where the indoctrination comes in. Training our local law enforcement on white supremacy and neo-Nazism. This is the Patriot Act to put the government and your local law enforcement in your electronic communications, on your Facebook, on your social media. By the way, if you're on Mayway, maybe Mayway will not, will not uh, stop you or, or censor you. But guess what? These agencies are now going to be on Mayway watching your posts. So let's be very clear about this. They're going to be engaging in, let's go here, 30, in uh, domestic terrorism training, which is going to include monitoring your social medias for, uh, once again, down here on page 16, hate crimes with a nexus to domestic terrorism. And how is domestic terrorism defined in this document? Well, you guessed it, white supremacy. Now I wanna show you something. And so you think that the government declaring that we being domestic terrorists is something new. Let me show you this. This came out in 2014. This is something that I shared on the show in 2014. And <clears throat> this is a PowerPoint slide without the, I mean, this, this, the words on the top here are mine. The words on the bottom here are mine. But this is a PowerPoint slide from the Department of Defense teaching de members of the Department of Defense what a domestic terrorist ideology looks like. Now, I've, I don't know if you can see that, but let's, uh, oh, never mind. <clears throat> I was going to try to make that a little bit bigger for you, but I don't know how to do that on that screen. I'll just read it to you. It says, this is a Department of Defense training slide used to train members of the Department of Defense in 2014. Section D, extremist ideologies. Introduction. Bullet point one. As noted, an ideology is a set of political be beliefs about the nature of people and society. People who are committed to an ideology seek not only to persuade, but to recruit others to their belief. In U.S. history, there are many examples of extremist ideologies and movements. The colonists who sought to free themselves from British rule and the Confederate states who sought to secede from the northern states are just two examples. The Department of Defense in 2014 and since then 
has been teaching members of Department of Defense that are American colonists who wanted to be free, mind you, were ideological extremists. Bullet point number two. Nowadays, instead of dressing in sheets or publicly espousing hate messages Department of Defense teaches about domestic terrorists, many extremists will talk of individual liberties, states' rights, and how to make the world a better place. Are you catching that, guys? Since 2014, the Department of Defense has been teaching its own people that people who talk about liberty, states' rights, and how to make the world a better place are actually extremist ideologies. Let me share this other one with you. This one is taken from the Department of Justice I actually turned it into a a, para, a a PowerPoint slide. This is exact language copied from a Department of Justice report, much like what you would see in, in this HR 350. And let me share this with you. Courtesy of the Department of Justice, a violent extremist. Mainly anti-government, rejecting federal authority in favor of state or local authority is a violent extremist, including groups and individuals that are dedicated to a single issue, such as opposition to abortion and or immigration. By the way, our returning war veterans, according to the Department of Justice in 2014, were classified as potential violent extremists, potential domestic terrorists. And here you have that again. Like the colonists who sought to free themselves from British rule, violent extremists. Now add all of that to your now new definition that violent, that your potential domestic terrorists are white people who talk about liberty, who talk about states' rights, who talk about how to make the world a better place. White people who, who believe that the state and local government has greater authority than the federal government, that people who are opposed to abortion, and people who actually believe that the American colonists who sought to free themselves from the British had the right idea? According to H.R. 350, these are your domestic terrorists. So I leave you today with the singular thought. If you think social media is going to grant you some kind of free speech project protection, you are fooling yourself. This creates legalized enforcement of racism by the government. This allows, it creates a pretext for the federal government and any of your local government agencies that that yoke up with these new government agencies that are going to be created under HR 350 creates a pretext pretense for them to search your social media to search your communications to search anything you print publish or make public so that they can call you a domestic terrorist. And then they can prosecute you. Now, let us not forget the Patriot Act will be used in addition to this to allow the government under the color of law to snatch you up and detain you without a trial until, as the Patriot Act reads, until the hostilities have been satisfied, have been, have been 
uh, eliminated, which is an in what we call indefinite detention. So what are your solutions? Quickly, what are your solutions? Well, solution number one is to get involved with your U.S. House rep and your U.S. senator and tell them to vote no. You must contact your U.S. House rep, and I don't care if they're a Democrat or not. Your Democrat representatives have more than Black Lives Matters constituents. And so you need to get your people, whether they're Democrat or not, uh, whether your representatives are Democrat or not, you need to tell them they need to vote no for this. This is absolutely an atrocity to civil rights. Then you need to make sure, and I've been saying this now for four months, I've been teaching it for 11 years, but I've been really, 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 really harping on this the last four months. It is more important now than ever that you make sure you have a constitutional sheriff that is not going to yoke up with these agencies and participate in this. You need a sheriff that's going to refuse this federal intervention, refuse this federal money, and refuse yoking with these federal agencies. You need a sheriff that says, no, I'm not getting in on your domestic terrorism surveillance. Again, it's HR 350. I'm putting it in the chat room so you can see it. You need to have a sheriff. You need to have a county commissioner, and you need to have a governor that refuses to allow the federal government to enforce this within their state. That's where your power is. Getting control of your sheriff, getting control of your county commission, and getting control of your legislature and your governor. Right now. You need to be on the phone with them. You need to be writing them letters. Hey, if this HR 350 is passed, I need you to tell me that you will never let these agencies prosecute or investigate or surveil within our state boundaries. That's what you must do. Don't tell me I don't ever give you solutions. I'm giving you the solutions. These are the right now solutions. Call your sheriff right now and say, if H.R. 350 passes in the House and the Senate and is signed by the president, will you assure me that it will not be used in my county? That you will not join up with this task force? You need to assure me of that. And if your sheriff will not assure you of that, then you need a new sheriff. Well, thank you guys for joining me today. It's, uh, you know, I'm we're a teach show, not a talk show. And sometimes I don't bring great news. But as Patrick Henry said, I would love to, I, I need to have the good and the bad so I can be prepared for all of it. And uh, we don't cling to any phantom hopes here. We'd rather have the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And I just want to say thank you for being truth seekers and joining us here. Remember, like, subscribe, share, share, share. Get this out there and help us spread this truth. HR 350, we need to be united to defeat it. God bless you guys. See you tomorrow.